<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today I'm joined by Tess Viglin, who has been on the show before, which you'll hear about, but also she's now the host of Wall Street Journal's most recent podcast called As We Work. And today we're talking about what a year of working from home has done to our relationships at work and do they really matter? And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Do you remember a time when work included informal social interactions? I'm talking about those chats while you wait for your coffee to brew or the hallway interaction that allowed you to add some influence or maybe even the casual smile and good morning that led you and a coworker to discussing your weekend. Well, it turns out there's an official name for these informal interactions. It's called social capital or the benefits you get because of the people you know. Like when you ask for a favor at work or when you expand someone else's social capital by making an introduction for them. And it turns out workplaces thrive on it and it can lead to lower turnover, increased performance, and an easier flow of information. However, the shift to remote work has changed the nature of social capital in organizations and not necessarily for the better. While employees report more meetings than ever, they also report more isolation and less connection. So what does this mean for all of us in the working world that includes hybrid, full-time remote work, and even back to office? I'm thrilled to welcome back to the podcast, Tess Viglin, to discuss the changes in work relationships and some advice for what to do. And as a reminder, Tess was on season four with me talking about quitting her job with no plan B. It's a great conversation. And I still share with people that it's one of my favorite conversations. So I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes. But this time she's back and she's got a new gig. So let's jump into all that. Welcome back to the show, Tess. Lauren, I am so happy to be here. And I have to tell you that the response I got from your listeners from the last time we chatted was just, it it was just so lovely. Every single person who wrote to me after hearing that was just, they they were just lovely. So I'm I'm completely (laughs) in love with your listenership. And um, I want to thank all of them for for, for the comments. and the a lovely group. Yeah, they certainly are. (laughs) Well, okay. So you, in case, again, we'll just sort of catch people up in case they, they should go listen to your episode, but (laughs) catch us up on what you're doing now. Because last time we spoke, you had just released your book, which is called leap, leaving a job with no plan B to find the career and life you really want. And now you're doing new things. So tell us a little bit about it. 
Yeah. So actually, when we talked, I think in 2019, um, my book was about four years old. And in the interim, I had done a bunch of traveling. Um, but since we chatted, well, really, not much has gone on in the world. I don't know about you. It's been, <laughs> been pretty boring and, and normal. Been at home. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. So um, really, I would say that the, the biggest thing that I did during the pandemic was a podcast called Pandemic Economics. And it was with the University of Chicago. And we talked about all the economic issues that were surrounding the pandemic, especially early in the pandemic, the first six months or so, uh, where people just had no idea what was going on. And so that that was a big part of my, my kind of pandemic workload. I did a bit of editing for um, an, a public radio station for a podcast for them. And then very fortunately, uh, last fall was offered this job with the Wall Street Journal to do a story about a topic that you're fairly familiar with, <laughs> careers and work life. Yeah. And um, your new podcast is called As We Work through with the Wall Street Journal. And it's fantastic. I was just telling you. Tess before we got into the recording that I've listened to all of them. My favorite one so far is Burnout. So if you guys are looking for another fantastic podcast, As We Work, start from the beginning. But tell me what you think about the burnout one. Cause that like something about what she was saying about the control. I was like, this is really clicking. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. The loss um, of power over the last two yes. years over anything. Yeah, I, I thought that was just like a very unique perspective on burnout that, you know, sometimes the advice about burnout is all about like self-care and you're like, oh, okay, okay. I got that. Right. What, what else? Right. And so I, I like that she uh, talked a lot about that. Maybe we can talk about a couple of specific uh, kind of things that people can do that she suggested. Yes, absolutely. And we're also going to talk about workplace relationships because I think everyone knows they're different, but it's like, let's put into context. So let's, you know, how they're different, I guess, and, yeah. and how that actually impacts us. Because at the end of the day, we're all very selfish. We want to know, well, how does this impact me? So can you give I'll us- speak for yourself. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what What's in it for me on this? Um, <laughs> like, I- I mean, what's the, can you give us sort of basic, a basic picture of like before COVID and after COVID workplace relationships, if you could summarize that? Yeah. So, I mean, before the pandemic, we all had these relationships that were happening, a lot of them because of work in the office. You had everything from romances, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, people fall in love at the office all the time. And yes. maybe you have a BFF who came from your workplace, whether that you actually worked with them or maybe they were in the building. Um, and then, of course, you have relationships with your boss and relationships with your coworkers, your colleagues, uh, relationships with vendors, with people that you see all the time. And then that for a lot of people, that just went poof. Of course, many people had to continue the work where they were during the pandemic. But for those who ended up being remote, working from home, uh, WFH, uh, mm -hmm. that all went away. And so we wanted to take a look at, you know, what that meant for us as individuals. And then also what that meant for the work that you do, like, mm -hmm. and for the workplace itself. Like when you don't have people around you, does that affect how you work and what you get done? Mm -hmm. um, because your colleagues are are pretty essential uh, for for most jobs. Your colleagues are essential to to what you do. Yeah, and you know we lost the ability to sort of just turn around to the person who's at the desk next to you to ask them a question. And I yep. I actually think there's a lot of pros and cons to this. I mean, I, in hindsight, I think about 
my time in the office, I'm like, I was spending 30 minutes like getting a cup of coffee and chatting <laughs> with someone. And while, yeah, that might have built up, you know, some, I don't know, valuable, you know, social capital, but at the same time, like, did I have that 30 minutes to waste on top of the commute and all those other things? So right. I, I think the important part to start here with though, is like, why do workplace relationships matter yeah. so much? I mean, are these things we can completely write off or do they actually matter? And and let's talk about that. Well, so one of the people that we talked to for this episode about work relationships is David Berkus, and he's written lots of books about leadership and workplaces and and I wanted to push back against this idea that you have to have these friendships, close relationships within the workplace. You know, some pe- for some people, work is just work. Yeah. And they just want to go get it done and then return to the rest of their lives. And so do we really need to have deep friendships in the workplace? And to my surprise, <laughs> he actually has studies um, that he has done that show that these friendships, these relationships, you don't have to be best friends, you don't have to be in love, but um, these relationships that you develop with your colleagues, particularly in person, do have an effect on what you bring to the table at the workplace. You perhaps, if you are talking with a friend, you're talking about something differently than you would if you were just talking with a colleague that you kind of really don't care about. Hopefully you care about everybody, but you know, that, that, you know, you're not super, super good friends and that that brings a different dynamic to all of the interactions that you have, whether you're in a meeting or whether you're pitching uh, an idea and that, you know, there, there is this argument that a lot of innovation and creativity comes about when you are with people that you really enjoy and you feel comfortable with and don't feel threatened by, don't feel competitive with. And so there, there, there is research uh, that shows that these relationships are very important. And the question is how those have changed over the last two years if you've been remote. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's the answer to that? <laughs> well, the answer is different depending on who you talk to. Um, David says that one of the things that you that a lot of people have really had to do is be very uh, purposeful about maintaining those relationships and about creating them um, when you are simply looking at, at each other on screens. And that is much more difficult. But we also in the show had, you know, we featured a couple of Canadian politicians who, I mean, they're, they're workers. <laughs> they, they fell in love over FaceTime. <laughs> so, it, it, so it can happen. But we strong also... Strong relationships can be built. <laughs> the the relationship can be built, yeah. Um, so, but, but we also talked with uh, Lucy Soros, who is the CEO of a company called Articulate. And this is a company they do online learning tools. And this company has been remote for 20 years, since its inception. And they have 400 employees and not a single office. And mm. Lucy's argument really is that if you are intentional about creating space for your workers to be comfortable, if you are encouraging empathy and understanding among people, like, I mean, she will flat out tell people when she's having a bad day um, as the CEO of the company. Mm-hmm. And she encourages that kind of interaction. And According to her, you know, their metrics show them that this is working and that they are creating these relationships and that they are able to do it even when they are not in front of one another 
day after day, whether it's on a Zoom meeting or or, or whatever. But um, so I, there are different takes on this. Um, but and what's their turnover? I'm curious. Like, do people like this? Yeah, setup or? I, I asked her that, and their turnover is eight percent. Oh wow! Is, yeah, that's really low. Um, so it's yeah. Yeah, it's not high, and so clearly they have a workforce for whom remote work is working. Um, but she did say, you know, I said, well, what about these people who maybe don't want to have BFFs at work? Would people who just for whom work is just work? And her response is, well, when they come to work for us, they know what the expectation is. They know that the expectation is that we are a company that is about relationships. We are a company that expects you to, you know, this buzz, this buzz phrase, bring your whole self to the workplace, even though it's fully remote. Okay, um, your kids can be behind you and your Zoom yeah, and we're kind of okay with that. And totally. that's, that's set up from the beginning. From the beginning. And when you sign on, you know that that's what it's going to be. And according to her, it totally works. And I, you know, with an 8% resignation rate, you know, that's, <laughs> that's the proof is in the pudding, I suppose. Yeah. We talk a lot about the importance of routines, especially when working from home. There's a lot of great ways to start off your day eating breakfast, cup of coffee, walking the dog. Personally, I start my day well-rested thanks to my ultra-cozy Brooklinen bedding. Brooklinen, home of the internet's favorite sheets. Yes, that's a true thing. It was created in 2014 to give customers luxury hotel-level home essentials that don't break the bank. They offer everything from snuggly sheets to cozy towels and robes, loungewear, accessories, and much more. By working directly with suppliers, Brooklinen cuts out the markups and passes those savings back to their customers. So you get their incredible products at a reasonable cost. Plus, Brooklinen launches new products, colors, and patterns all the time for their sheets, towels, and robes. Think bold pops of colors and adventurous prints with some limited edition collections selling out as little as in one month. You can also take Brooklinen's signature softness outside the home with their loungewear collection, featuring the softest tees, tanks, sweatshirts, joggers, and other essential basics. I'm obsessed. If you need the extra nudge, check out the five-star reviews. There's over 100,000 of them. Yes, you heard that right. 100,000 five-star reviews. And for a limited time, Brooklinen is offering you a free gift with purchase. But if you miss out, you can use the promo code CONTESSA, C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A, anytime for $20 off your purchase of $100 or more at brooklinen.com. That's brooklinen, B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter the promo code CONTESSA, C-O-N-T-E-S-S-A, for $20 off your purchase today. Brooklinen, the curators of comfort. All right, now let's get back to the show. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession. Beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. 
I was reading this research that HBR put out, which I can link to also in the show notes. And they had a study that found that younger workers and those who are new to a company Mm. are experiencing the pain of social isolation more. And I, going back to your point about work relationships, sometimes when I think about this, I'm like, I think the workplace was almost like this lazy way to build relationships because you could do it casually in the hallway. You didn't have to be as purposeful. And whenever you have to put purpose behind something, it takes a little bit more effort. Right. And so there is that part, uh, of our work relationships that I think have gotten harder. It's just that we have to be more purposeful. We had to put more energy and effort behind it than we had to before. Yeah, um, absolutely. but the social isolation, I mean, there are reports that people are feeling more lonely. Do you think that's because they feel like they don't have a strong of work relationships? Or do you think that's because they truly are not interacting face to face with a person? I mean, just like your gut feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any numbers on that, but <laughs> I, I I would say it has to be both because I think a lot of us, even if you're an introvert, right? You, It's not like you don't ever want to see anybody ever. Yeah. At least I don't think for most people. And I would classify myself actually as, I suppose, a sort of extroverted introvert. It depends on the situation, mm-hmm. but you know, the last couple of years have not been particularly difficult for me. I'm working in my house and that's fine by me. Um, But it's not like I didn't want to see anybody. Um, And so for me, at least, I haven't missed the workplace, but I did, particularly in the early part of the pandemic, I certainly missed being with people. Yeah. My theory is that people, younger workers too, they went from a university, which is a very social situation. And I will say I didn't, graduate during a pandemic, but even that felt very social, socially isolating because you go from having this like open schedule full of people to work, which is a lot of the same people and the same stuff every day. Sometimes I wonder if that's part of it, but I I would would think so. No, I mean, you know, I think this is something that sociologists are going to be studying for years to come. Um, But yeah, younger workers, especially those who literally have not had a workplace, they graduated into a remote environment and have been there ever since there's a lot that they do miss out on. And I will say that even as someone who doesn't really miss the workplace, I'm glad I had it because uh, uh, I do have a lot of good friends who are former colleagues. I do have a lot of relations, my my marriage, which is Mm -hmm. now no longer, but my marriage came out of workplace, all those sorts of things. It's, it's just, it's, it's like whatever, hobby you might have where you gather with a lot of people. Like if you have been a musician your whole life and you spend time in recitals with your fellow people who are taking music class or music lessons, when all that suddenly goes away, you lose that cohort. And if you've never had that, then you've never had a chance to perform. And so kind of any any area where you've had a gathering of people you're going to miss that. And if you've never had that, then you don't know what it's like. And I, I predict that it'll be really difficult for some of those younger workers who have never been in an office to now kind of launch into it because they've had the work experience without being there. And now they're going to have to make the adjustment of like some social skills that, oh, that totally. you didn't have to have in college that now you're going to have to develop. I know I told someone the other day, I'm like, I'm so, so I'm getting really socially awkward. I was like, I went to something the other day and I was like, the old me would have like 
handled that <laughs> <Yep>. so <laughs> smoothly. And the new me was like all over the place. It's and, so weird how yeah. much we lost that we're not even aware we lost. And that those revelations are just going to keep coming as we hopefully come fully out of this and into some semblance of normalcy. But yeah, you know, relationships, I, I think it's a really complex question. Uh, but clearly the research uh, that David Burkus brought to me uh, shows that you need them. And one of his other points was that, you know, it's not all about the job that you're in, Right. A lot of the people that you develop relationships with in your current job can potentially help you down the line. And so you're looking at relationships that are for your career and not necessarily even just for the job that you're currently in, which I thought was a really good point. No, it is. And I mean, I think the majority of jobs, especially as you get older in your career, are found through networking and connections. Yep. I, I feel like the the more senior you get, yep. the relationships are your, you know, your ticket to to other opportunities. So yeah, it, I mean, social capital matters for sure. Yeah. And in sociology, uh, David told me they call this multiplex relationships, <laughs> but really it's <laughs> it's networking. It's it's yes, absolutely it's networking. networking. So yes. All right, Tess, what's your first tip? So one phrase that we're hearing a lot right now is hybrid equity. I think it's going to be a buzz phrase that's going to start catching on here real soon as people are making the decision whether to continue working from home or if they're being called back to the office. And the idea around this is that you have to be really careful, particularly as a manager, when you are managing people who are either not in front of your face or in front of your face, and making sure that there is equity in promotions, in raises, in opportunities to take on projects, and that this is something that companies are going to really have to be aware of if they have some sort of hybrid work environment. And the equity really comes about because the studies, the surveys have shown that most of the people who want to work from home are people of color and women. Yeah. So when you're looking at making those policy decisions, you really have to be careful about not making sure that it's not just all the white men in, who are in your office and in front of you and getting all the great gigs. Um, so that's, you know, that's something for, for managers and companies to really be aware of and be uh, thinking about as they construct their work from home policies. The other thing that, I'm going to go back to the kind of the mental health burnout episode that you mentioned. And there were some great tips in there from Amy Cuddy, who is a social psychologist. And she was saying, uh, again, as you noted earlier, that so much of what we're feeling right now is, is this powerlessness and also this roller coaster of, oh, maybe this is ending. Maybe this is ending. Maybe this is ending. Oh, no, there's another variant. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happened last June and July when Delta reared its ugly face. And so we're on this roller coaster of emotion feeling like, you know, we are, are we, are we okay now? No, we're not okay. And it's very difficult for us to deal with. So she said right now, as we're coming, hopefully out of it again, that because there is no armistice to the pandemic, there's, there's like, nobody is saying, okay, it's over now. Let's go have a parade in the streets. Because there isn't anything like that, 
there is something that she suggests both for individuals and for companies. For individuals, the suggestion is that you pick a time. It can be your kid's soccer game. It can be a concert. It can be a specific dinner that you want to make. It can be a song. This is what she has done. It can be a song and you tell yourself, when you hear this song on the radio, this is going to be your reset. This is going to be your armistice day. This is going to be your chance to say, okay, I'm done with the last two years and I'm going to really start moving forward from here. And I love that idea that you're giving yourself a refresh uh, over, a, after a global trauma. And for companies, it's a bit of the same thing. It's not, you know, the company isn't going to pick a song, but um, she said it's really important for leaders to pick a day a refresh day, a restart day. And it's not the day that you're bringing everybody back to the office. That's a whole different issue. This mm -hmm. is a day where you're telling your employees, okay, we are now moving forward. We are leaving the two years that we've had and we are now moving forward. And we are here to help you with that effort. Um, so I, I really love both of those ideas to give it, you know, it's a classic closure. And of course, yeah. we're probably not having closure. We're going to probably be living with this for a long time. But it gives but you mental I think a it gives you a sense of control too, right? Yes. Like you have control over what your day one is. And hopefully, you know, what I would really like to see for companies when it comes to the work relationships, the burnout, all that, I think that the fresh start's a good idea. But I'd really like them to also come out with some structure around these hybrid policies. I yeah. really... I was telling you, we just had an interview with Reshma uh, Sajani on this. And I was saying like, I'm sort of terrified that it's like the next, the last two years are just going to get wiped away. And they're going to say everyone back to the office, right. back to the way it was. And it's like, but the way it was, wasn't working. It wasn't working for the majority of us. It worked really well for white men who seem, <laughs> she wrote an article for time being like the only people that want to go back to the office are white men. And it's like that, that feels very true because to your point, women and people of color are the most impacted by um, the, what do you call it? The hybrid equity that right. happens as well. And so I really hope that companies put some time and energy and some structure around it so that people aren't penalized, that they're given some choice. I think one of the things that the pandemic did um, is it allowed you to have some control over your day and your right. schedule in a way that maybe we never had before. And it's, it's very interesting. I do think giving agency to people, um, may, again, it goes back to that workplace relationships. Like, yes, we got to be more purposeful about it, but maybe that's okay. Maybe you don't have to have the 30 minute conversation about a reality TV show in the hallway. <laughs> right. Like that, is that, you know, they well, always, talk I, I, about, I will even, I will even tell you that Lucy Sura, who is with the company that's been remote for 20 years. She actually, she badmouthed that whole idea that, you know, oh, this is so great. We can go for coffee for half an hour and chat and we're going to come up with yeah. the next great idea for the company. She was like, yeah. no, that's a waste of time. It is, it is. <laughs> and I, I have, like I Zoom meet with my team once a week and we've still have come up with great ideas. If anything, I can't turn around as quickly and have a side chat conversation that turns into an hour. And I'm like, that's a good thing. I should think twice before I take up an hour of her time or something like that. And so, uh, you know, that's what I hope. I, and I think, Lauren, that a lot of, you know, you're, you're asking how long this can last and whether companies will go back to the olden days of 2020 and before. Yeah. Um, 
And I, I think a lot of that is going to depend on how long workers keep feeling their oats, right? With the great resignation, with a lot of people deciding that they're going to leave one job because it's not doing for them what they want. And they're going to go to another one that they hope will that potentially forces companies to deal with people's demands. And Mm -hmm. If the economy starts to crater for whatever reason, if we go into a recession, who knows how inflation is going to play out within the broader economy. If, lo- if, if workers start losing some of that power that they're feeling right now, then I think that is what could potentially throw us back into the olden days. It's yeah. worker pressure right now that is forcing a lot of these companies to agree to work from home hybrid schemes. I believe like we can figure this out. I believe that, you know, okay, yeah, the social capital that is, we understand is a huge benefit to us and employers like it because obviously it can lead to lower turnover and and better performance because you like the people you work with. And to your point, if you're in a, in a meeting where you feel really safe with people, you might be more innovative. I believe we can recreate that. I just don't believe that we can do it with a lot of like wishy-washiness. I, I I really think people thrive off of structure. And to your point about how our relationships changed because of COVID and what has it done to us? Sure, there's some positives, some negatives, but I do think this hybrid model is like, it's it's an opportunity to rewrite, which I, I feel like that's essentially what David was saying also in your interview is that they've research shows hybrid works really well. You can kind of check both these boxes, right? You can. Um, Again, if you are paying attention to making sure that all the people who are working from home still get all the advantages um, of being with your workplace. Uh, Again, I think this hybrid equity question is going to be a really, really big one. But it is. It's about intentionality. And, you know, that's another buzz phrase. It can be kind of woo woo, but it's true. But that came out of COVID too. It was like, how are you spending your time? Yes. You You know, like if anything, like this is a gift that all of us have been given, which is to be intentional, which is like not a bad thing. Yeah. And are we going to squander that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tess, I love talking to you and your show is great. So tell (laughs) tell everyone uh, again, the name of the podcast, some topics um, and where they can find it. Yeah, so it's called As We Work, and you can find it on all of your regular podcast channels. Yes, <laughs> we like wherever, to say. wherever podcasts wherever you are get sold. your podcasts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, you can find us on on Twitter and and LinkedIn. Particularly, we're very active there, and we're going to be ending our first season um, over the next couple of weeks with uh, what we're calling a job summit. And we're talking about uh, all kinds of issues. One is this idea of new collar jobs that are not blue collar. They're not white collar. They're new collar. And we're also talking- So many talking, good buzzwords. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, and we're also talking about ageism in the workplace, um, which I think is, well, I won't tell everybody how old I am, but I'm, I'm very grateful <laughs> that I have not experienced that. Um, and then we're planning for our second season, which will be coming up at the end of this month. So amazing. Congratulations on that. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you again. I'll put links to all of that stuff in the show notes. And um, again, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review. Your reviews help us so much because the algorithm says, oh, this show is good and we should probably recommend it to other people. 
I also wanted to mention that if you didn't know this already, but we have a jobs board on Career Contessa and we will send you um, really awesome job postings every single Wednesday. So that I link to also in the show notes in case you are looking for a new job that is going to offer you hybrid work. And we made sure to add links to everything that Tess mentioned in the show notes as well. 